Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 30 of Poker All the Games. And I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the northeast coast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins me from Malta. Also for this episode, we are joined by a special guest who is recording this episode with Martin from the Malta Poker Festival. Wouter, the listeners are familiar with Martin and me, but since this is your first episode, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, so I'm Wouter Schubiers. I'm Belgian, but I've lived in Malta for quite some time. And I know Martin from the mixed games here in Malta. I've been I've been playing mixed games for like well, easily 10, 15 years now. And I just I just love everything that has more than two cards, basically. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you uh for joining us. It's nice to have a special guest on the episode. And it as our uh at least in the US here, as our audience hears me, they get used to why when you listen to poker news, for example, and they're announcing all the European names, they they always say <laughs> we're gonna butcher this one. So everybody will have to kind of put up with me uh in pronouncing your name for this episode. <laughs> so not only do martin and i yeah and and indeed wouter share wouter geez already share a fondness <laughs> for games, but we also enjoy beers so i'll be talking about a beer actually a beer fest for me um from the u.s and martin and wouter will then briefly describe one each from europe so as I mentioned today, instead of going through a beer, I was recently at a beer fest in uh, eastern Pennsylvania. And part of the reason, well, I enjoy beer, right? So beer fests are a great way to try a lot of different beers in a short amount of time, sample them and uh, look for maybe some new ones, have a chance to drink some different ones that you haven't had before. And I've also used this opportunity because soon after this podcast is released, there's going to be what is one of the largest beer festivals um, in the United States, and that is the Atlantic City Beer Fest. So that one's coming up. So I kind of use this smaller beer fest um, to get myself as preparation for this larger uh, upcoming beer festival in Atlantic City. So I was at uh, this beer fest called the Steel, Steel Stacks Beer Festival um, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and some decent beers. I'm always disappointed at a lot of the, the breweries, unfortunately, but uh, there were some good beers. It was put on by the Lehigh Valley um, Brewers Guild. And interestingly enough, the Lehigh Valley Home Brewers Association also had a booth there where they were serving beers. And as is sometimes the case, um, I have to say a lot of the beers from the home brewers um, outdid a number of the beers from the commercial breweries, with the exception of the brewery that I um, help out at occasionally had some of the best beers as well, of course. And I'm not biased um, just because I, I, I do help brew the beer there. But um, but yeah, the, the uh, Lehigh Valley Home Brewers beer uh, table was some of the best. They had 
actually a sour beer that was brewed um, by the home brewers. And then there was a commercial version brewed by a, another commercial brewery. And um, admittedly, the home brewer version was, um, in my opinion, a, a bit better. So without getting into any specifics of a, a lot of the beers, just that generally home brewers, uh, their beers, it's a lot easier to brew on a smaller scale. You know, you brew five or 10 or even 20 gallons. It's it's just easier to manage that size brewing than if you're brewing on a, you know, a several hundred gallon system. Things can get a little more difficult and rushed when you're on a commercial basis versus kind of just home brewing. So that's my beer review uh, of a beer fest in the U.S. Uh, Martin, what are you bringing us from Europe today? Okay, Um I've got a Belgian beer, and I'm going to let Wouter pronounce it correctly because I can't. Augustine. So to be fair to you, Sean, you, you might have butchered Wouter's pronunciation of his mouth's name. It's hard for all of us. Hey. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm not feeling so bad now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've just opened the top of the bottle and uh, half of it's on the floor now. Um <laughs> now, normally, I would, first of all, take a look at the beer. It's hard to do that today. I don't have a glass. We're, we're at the Multi Poker Festival in Potomaso Casino, and Jonathan Mikkelen, uh, uh, one of the managers here, have been very kind in donating us a room, but I haven't been able to bring a glass in, so I can't look at the beer. But it's a blonde beer. Uh, the APV is, I think, 7%. Um, I can't find it. Oh, yes, it is. It's 7%. Uh, it's a bit lively, as I said. Half the end of the of the floor when I took the top off. So uh, that's a bit of an accident. Okay. Yeah, it, it smells like a good blonde beer. It, it, it's, it's hard to give much detail with the uh, information that's available to me. I'm looking at a glass with some sort of foam, making kind of a ping pong ball shape on the top of it. So uh, it's not even that easy to get a smell of it. But let's have a taste. Oh, yeah, that, that goes down well. Um, tastes pretty much like most of the other blonde beers that, are, that, that, that I've tasted. Um, yeah, I, I can't Kind of a light, just kind of a light, easy drinking flavor, I, I'm imagining. Yeah, spot on. Perfectly correct. Yeah. What uh, color bottle is it, by chance? It's brown, kind of a... Yeah, it is Good. brown. So, like I say, it's impossible to pick out what color the beer is. But I'm guessing blonde. Yes, <laughs> let, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say anything about carbonation, but the fact that it foamed up like it did hints a pretty lively... Pretty lively... Uh, Lively liquid there. Okay, you want to, Walter? You want to mention the name of that uh, one more time for for us? Yeah, it's Augustine. Spelled A U G U S T I J N. So, mm. Walter, what have you got there? So, of course, being Belgian, I wanted to have a Belgian beer, and I went actually for I think worldwide one of the most popular beers in Belgium, which is Duvel. Um, it's, it's a stronger beer. People know it as a stronger beer, but, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite beers. Um, so yeah, um, I think 
it Duval doesn't require a lot of introduction. It's a stronger blonde beer. It tastes bitter, but it tastes really good when it's hot outside. It's just a perfect combination of everything. Belgian quality. Sorry. Say that again. Have you tried either of these beers? So I've never heard of the one that you're drinking. And, and you know, I wouldn't be able to probably pronounce it either, but I would certainly be able to drink it, never mind the pronunciation. <laughs> um, but I have had uh Duvel and uh it is a wonderful beer. It's been quite a while. Um, I believe it's also a is that also a blonde ale um that you have there? It Roger? it this one, yeah. I have the traditional Duval, which is a blonde, stronger ale, is an alcohol percentage of eight point five percent. Um, but you got a lot of variations. I personally like triple hop as well, which is a bit more citrusy, but you also got there's an amber variation. Uh I believe it was like oak barrel something. Um they have some special editions, but the traditional one it's a it's a blonde beer, yeah. Yeah, and that's the one we uh mainly get in the United States, the uh mm -hmm. the Belgian. I believe it's, it might be a strong blonde because you mentioned eight percent. Um yes. so that's you know sort of yeah, dubbed uh, sort of a strong blonde, but yeah, a, a wonderful beer. And uh I might be looking for that one this weekend now that you brought it to my attention again. Definitely a good option. <laughs> good. Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to branch into other variations of poker, whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. Our goal is to define the rules, the deal, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. And since we've been start since we've started this uh, podcast with Martin, this year, we have gone off the books, so to speak. So the first 22 episodes where I went over uh, 23 different games were you know, probably a lot you have heard of. But now we're into the dealer's choice and really super dealer's choice. And today we're bringing you a game you probably never heard of um, unless you've been in Wouter and Martin's um, circle. And that game is called Bad Maha. So Wouter, why don't you walk us through the game of Bad Maha? Um, yeah, so actually, Bad Maha, um, I can put it really simple. Um, it's five-card Omaha. You play it just like five-card Omaha with one small twist where at the end, at the showdown, it's not the best hands winning the full pot. It's the worst hands. So keeping in mind, as it is five-card Omaha, you need to use the best two cards from your hands as you would in Omaha. And then you look at who has the worst hand, and that player wins the full pot. So it's dealt and played in the same way in, as standard five-card Omaha. You know, two players to the left of the dealer but in post blinds. After a round of betting, the dealer burns a card and puts out a flop. There's another round of betting. The dealer burns a card, puts out a turn. Round of betting, dealer burns a card and puts out a river, and a final round of betting, and then that's where the twist comes in. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you mentioned um, you use the best two cards from your hand, but you what? What I guess what we really mean to say is you use the best two cards to make the worst 
hand, right? No, that is actually incorrect. I'll give you an exact okay. example. Um, let's say, for example, the board has queen, jack, ten, and two blanks, other irrelevant cards, and your hand is ace, king, three, deuce, deuce. Like, if you would use your worst two cards, you would say, okay, I will use my deuce three, and I have the best hand. But no, the special twist is, as you have ace-king and the board is queen-jack-10, you have to use the ace-king from your hand and make the Broadway. So in that case, you would not have a good hand. So you do play it like five-card Omaha, where you have to use your best two cards from your hand with the best three cards from the board to make the po best possible poker hands. So that does mean if you hit a flush, you have to use your flush. If you hit a straight, you have to use your straights. Um, that's okay. that's the main yep. thing. And, and that is also one of the main issues that people that learn a game have is that they don't directly get it and they think they can use the, the other two cards, but you have to use your best two cards like in Five Card Omaha. Okay. Yeah, I figured you didn't misspeak since you're the inventor of the game, but I just wanted to make sure we, we clarified for the audience and that I understood. So can you tell us a little bit about how this game came up, came about? Well, it's actually a good question. Like um, in our mixed games, we, we tend to go crazy and add a lot of variations. And I was just thinking of what could we add to make the game interesting? And then it's like, okay, let's try this out. And at first it... For a lot of people, it's a bit of uh, it, it messed up with their minds sometimes, but then we realized like there's actually some good strategy involved and it can be interesting. And we tried it out and it succeeded. A lot of people don't like it because they it it's confusing, but I like it. <laughs> to be honest, at first I didn't like it very much, but um, basically for a while, Walter was just crushing us all. <laughs> I've, I've become a bit more. Um, tuned to how I should be playing the hands and which hands uh, I should continue with. And and I've, I've learned how to bluff catch Wouter, so that's really, <laughs> really satisfying, you know, because Wouter is very aggressive when he plays this game. We'll go on to some basic strategy tips soon, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's learned, an interesting game. Yeah, I've learned uh, doing this podcast and also, of course, playing with you last year um, at the Mixed Games Festival, Martin, that uh, – even if you don't know a game, I can see how you can quickly learn the rule. It doesn't take you very long to pick up the rules and become better than uh, the average person. <laughs> it took me longer than average for this game, to be fair. But having said that, Walter, this this game suits Walter's skill set perfectly. So it's it's hard to catch up with him when he's uh, so good in a game. <laughs> yeah. So about how long ago um did you sort of bring this to the uh to the attention and start playing it? So we have sort of timestamp on your uh on your invention. It must be two or three years ago, I think, something yes. like that. I would have said yes. Yeah. All right. How about some you have any uh, beginner's tips uh to get us started that you want to share? In other words, uh tell us how not to be the mug. <laughs> um, so I think the best beginner tip would be hands that you would definitely throw away in five card Omaha you might want to play them in this game let's say for example if you have trips in your hands of course in five card Omaha it's not good but in this game it's really good especially if it's low trips it does mean you already have a pair preflop but it does also mean it's less likely that you will connect with the boards that will come so ideally you want like really low hands like let's say good deuce to seven hands or very low cards that are very uncoordinated would work really well 
uh, trips in the hand. A small pair is really good as well, except if you flop, if you get a set, of course, on the board. Um, ideally, you really want bad hands. What is also important in this game, and it's probably the best tip, is always have a good look at the board structure. If a board, for example, has like 8, 9, 10 suited on the board, even if you have, let's say, 8, 9, you could still be good because it's pretty easy in 5 card Omaha to, on that kind of board, to hit a flush or a straight or things like that, for example. So it's important, like, okay, you might have hit hard, but your opponent could have hit harder. So in that regard, keep position in mind, play bad hands for 5 card Omaha, which are good in this game, and that's those. I think those are the main things, right, Martin? I agree. Well, I think one thing that I would add, another type of good hand, with bearing in mind first of all uh, the the kind of hand, the card rankings that you're talking about. It's also useful to have four of a suit or three of a suit with two cards of uh, unmatched suits. So, like say, three hearts, a club, and a spade, because it just makes it a little bit more difficult to hit a flush. Yeah. Yeah, I've done quite well in this game this week. Um, I've quite enjoyed playing it this week. You, you, I've, only, I've never chosen the game. Wout has chosen the game a few times uh, in the cash games here at the Malta Poker Festival. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's it's good to play those hands that, like it's like Wout just said, that you would normally throw away in a standard game of five card mm. And another final one is. I always, almost always throw away a hand where my highest card is king and my lowest is two, or maybe queen and two, or king and three, unless there's a specific, special reason to play it. So those are probably a good cards to start with in a, a five-card Bad Mahar game, as long as the other three cards don't actually represent some strength. Mm. You know? My main takeaway from this is it, the difficulty comes in um, having to use your best two cards to make the worst hand, right? It's kind of, it really kind of tugs at your, at your brain strings. You know, you have yeah. one rope, one side pulling good. You got to use the best cards and the other side pulling. No, you have to make a bad hand. And that really <laughs> kind of just, just presents a difficulty, I think. Yeah, I understand it can feel a bit counterintuitive for uh, players that are completely new to the game. But once you play a few hands, you get used to it, I, I would say. Especially yeah. if you are into mixed games, you would get used to it rather quickly. Yeah, I, um, I do like the, the concept for sure. Go ahead, Martin. I was going to say one of the key things is board reading. Mm. And there was an example of this in a hand I played against Walter last night. When I raised pre-flop, Walter called in one of the blinds. And before, as the dealer's about to turn the board, he he announced the cards he would like the dealer to turn over. And I think he said 4-4-2 or something. Something like that, yeah. And the board came 4-3-2. <laughs> yeah. And that obviously smashed my range. So that's, that's hand reading. Mm. Um, so out well, to bet, I folded, next hand. It yeah. was uh, quite simple. The, an openness range is going to connect with the board like that. Yeah. I think I yeah, can actually I, also give a good beginner tip for new players. Like I like to play the game aggressively and I would even play double suited aces, which would be bad in this game, of course, because so oftentimes uh, players are uncomfortable in the game. And if the board comes very low, they often will have the low cards that they decide, okay, I might try to play it and then just fold if they hit two pair or hit the straight or whatever. So 
the thing is, position and bluffing is actually rather easy in this game. I think I would even say easier than five at Omaha. I'd like to add uh, something here to give Walter some uh, real um, credibility as a player of this game. I remember him bluffing as well off a pot when he had flopped quad kings. <laughs> <clears throat> that takes some some uh, serious cojones, I would say. We'll have to name bluffing in this uh, in this game something after Walter. We'll have to kind of put a, a, a different name on on the on a bluff with, and use your name or something. I don't know. We'll have to think about that. Maybe after uh, some more beer. Yeah, you could <laughs> but, like uh, bluffing with the nuts. Uh, it, well, the Omaha nuts in this game, you could do it. You could do it calling a Walter, or you could call it doing yeah, a Walter. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I was going to say we'll just call it the Walter. <laughs> yes. No, that name already exists. I'm sorry. When you draw five cards in Split and Special and pick up a King's high, a king's Full uh, against somebody else's flush, that is doing a welter. I'm sorry, this, <laughs> this, this, this name's already taken. You, you have some famous uh, plays named after you, Wouter. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, as long as it brings me the money, I don't care. <laughs> exactly, right? Call me whatever you want. <laughs> that's great and then just kind of to, to to put this home the ace plays high in this game just you know again just so there's no confusion exactly it's just like five Karoma where the ace can both be high and low if it can count as a, for a straight as well just like in Omaha okay. yeah and specifically in the hand we just mentioned from last night the board was 4-3-2 I did have ace 5 so I flopped a, fl a straight actually the board might be 5-4-3 I think I had ace 2 mm. Um, so yeah, um, an ace can count low for a, a wheel, basically a, a five high straight, but normally high, you know, in flushes, pairs, um, high straights. Yeah. Okay. I think that, uh, covers our, uh, play and strategy and history of Bad Maha. So as this episode is being recorded while while Martin and Wouter are in the middle of playing in a poker festival, we won't bring you the rundown of mixed game news or upcoming events. For that, uh, you can refer to episode 29, Drama, Dramaha Zero, which mm. still contains useful information for mixed games to play in the U.S. and Europe. So why don't uh, you two go over review uh, how the Malta Poker Festival is going? It's going really well in some ways. Um, the horse tournament that was uh, the first tournament of the festival, actually, was hosted by me. We had uh, a nice number of runners, 55, which for the first tournament in a festival is very good. Um, we had a, a great time. Uh, Wouter, me, and two of our friends, Jeremy Tan and Jean Garçapanis, uh, all had a bounty on our head. We gave away a book, um, Getting Started with Horse Poker by Chris Fox Wallace and the Mizraki Brothers. And that, those books were all signed by Chris Wallace. We also gave away some hoodies, some limited edition donkeyfish hoodies with uh, kind of a caricature of me and a donkey on it uh, to the people who made the final table. The winner of the tournament was... Really, Malta's legend, for as far as poker is concerned, Antoine de Giorgio is someone who uh, he moderates the Malta Pokerfish 
Facebook page that everyone who has ever played poker in Malta is always very active on. He's He represents the players, in, he represents the casinos, he makes sure all the games are uh, to everybody's satisfaction. He doesn't do this for money, he tirelessly works for poker in Malta. So it was absolutely amazing to see Antoine take down the trophy. Yep. He's also got a a thing he wants to win trophies and he's been teased endlessly because he hasn't won one for a few years. So now we're never going to hear the last of it. And he's a guy with a he's a great character, fantastic sense of humor. Everybody loves Antoine, so it was superb to see him win yeah. that. Anybody listening to this podcast who has ever played poker in Malta probably will know Antoine and We'll also be happy that he won. Mm. Uh, apart from that, we've played cash games every day, mixed games, cash games, super dealer's choice. We've played a lot of different variants. As I've said before, Badenhaar has been chosen by only Wouter several times. <laughs> and I've, I've probably won, um, you know, over 50% of the pots that the hands that have been dealt. I've had an amazing run in that game. Um so, call it again today, Walter. Don't worry about it. I will, I will, I will. <laughs> uh, so, what about you, Walter? How's this week going for you? Uh, not too bad. I already, of course, I also played a horse event. I was the lucky guy um, bubbling. Actually, I got busted by Antoine, so I don't really mind. It's like, just like Martin said, I don't think we could have hoped for a better winner. But what I have to mention as well, the field, the horse field was pretty strong as well. We had an ex-bracelet winner actually joining us in the field as well. Uh, it was a really, really, really good and uh, fun event. But unfortunately, I bubbled, but so be it. But then in the cash games, I'm, I'm up a bit, play some fun games, actually learn some new games as well. So that that's always good. Um, I, I also, um, well, as of now, I... I Got one stack through to day two of the main event, which is a 550 euro buying Hold'em event. It's boring Hold'em, but yeah. And um, yeah, some other side events planned, and we'll see. Let's see if uh, hopefully we'll get the mixed games go- mixed games running as well, but it should be fine. Yeah, you mentioned the bracelet winner. Mm-hmm. Remind me his name. Uh, Jens Wertmann. Wertmann. He, won, he won a horse event at the World Series of Poker in 2008. Yes. And he is an excellent player. Yeah. And, he, and a nice he, guy. He made the final table of the horse event as well. Yes, he came third, I believe. He's, yeah. He told me. Um, yeah, he won the three K horse event in two thousand eight, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, he also joined us in the mixed games. It was it was fun as well. Like someone who loves the games, and it, it's yeah, it was great. He's a great guy. Yeah, there, there were Sunday million winners. Uh, there were some really strong players in that horse tournament. I think so. Yeah. So I, I like how you turned it over to Wouta for the uh, for the name pronunciation there, Martin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jens is a German player, and uh, Wouter kind of speaks German to an extent. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I bottled out of that one, left it to the experts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So apparently Jens still still has it. You know, somewhat. What is this? Fifteen years later. Um, yeah. After his uh, bracelet win, he, he came in third place there, so he still still got it. Let me just uh, bring back a, bring out a funny story. He sat down at the mixed games cash game <laughs> table on the first night, uh, <laughs> and uh, we didn't know who he was. And he sat next to me. I turned to him and said, "You okay with these games?" And uh, he says, "Yeah, I'll probably teach you some games, actually." 
<laughs> he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, he sat down and declared Raz Doogie, and I had to explain to him the rules. <laughs> so he, he was quite pleasantly surprised that we had a community here, because he lives in Malta, by the way, and he hadn't heard about us. He was quite pleasantly surprised that we have a community here that he that he can uh, join and he can play any mixed games mm. that he can think of. That's... Yeah, that, that's nice. And it's great to hear you mentioned um, Antoine. It's it's like the folks we hear every year at the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas, right, that have this monkey on their back, right? They're great players, but they just haven't won a bracelet. So now Antoine finally has that a monkey off his back, like you described, Martin. Antoine describes himself as a fish, but to be honest, uh, yeah, he's a great player. He really is. And he's actually a very avid learner. He he speaks to all the good players in Malta about hands. and he, So he learns that way. He's not somebody who looks at solvers and things like that. But as I say, he... He knows all the people that play here and he speaks to all the good players and he, and he, he, he has a lot of respect for all players as well and uh, he learns that way and he, he's a fantastic ambassador for poker. Uh, one last thing before we move on here. I'm just curious, how did uh, the rest of the table take the, the new game, Bad Maha? Had any of them ever been with uh, you two and played it? Were they all new? How did they, uh, how did they take to the game? What do you think, Walter? Well, there are some players that still can't get used to it or still find it um, difficult to understand. But then some other players, the first two hands, they, they don't completely get the rules. But then once they see a showdown, it's like, oh, wait. And then they love it straight away. It's, it, the thing you have with a lot of mixed games is first they hate it, then they love it, or they love it because they hate it. it it's, it's always this nice love-hate relationship. And but like... Let's say someone that is used to playing mixed games, they will understand in a couple of hands. If it's someone who's like a beginner to mixed games, it might take a while to get used to it. Um, so yeah, it it depends. I think on the 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 mixed game experience of the, the actual player. Um, yeah, to be honest, I think if a, an inexperienced player sits down, I think it's a bad idea to choose that game. <laughs> they can be frightened off pretty quickly uh, by such a crazy variant but yeah experienced mixed games players it's a it's a good challenge and, and a lot yeah, of people I... that have joined us this week that we haven't seen before have been quite experienced they, they've been uh, they've been up for this uh, kind of challenge yeah I think it uh it harkens back to sort of the beginning of this episode and, and just life in general and that is you know any time you introduce anything new uh, there's a a, a large percentage of the population that is just kind of like, no, right there. You get so used to being in your space that anything new is kind of, uh, you know, it's uh, uncomfortable. And so there's this aversion sometimes at first and then a, a warming up to over time, kind of like you mentioned, I think in your home game, people were, you know, in the beginning kind of like, nah, no thanks. And now they're getting more used to it and enjoying it. I could not say it better, Sean. If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games. And Martin, you've also written a book. Where can our listeners find yours? My book is called Pot Limits Written Special. 
It's only available as an ebook at the moment, and it's also available on Amazon. So you can head over there to pick that up. It's a book that describes only one game, but it takes you from the basic rules and the deal right through all the various stages of the hand of the game, uh, what the starting hands are, what the value of the starting hands are, what the odds are for improving as a draw hand as well as as an Omaha hand, uh, how to play the pre-flop, flop, which cards to draw, how to play the turn and river. There's a quiz section towards the end, which gives you opportunity to test your skills uh, using some hands that I played before I recently recently played before I wrote the book. And and again, they, they test your skills as far as betting and drawing. Um, and then there's a final section which discusses a few variants of Spit and Special um, that, that we have played in our game. Spit and Special is also known as Draw Maha. But in Europe, it's played almost exclusively pot limit. And I think in the US, it's almost exclusively fixed limit. The book in particular, it specifically rather describes how to play the pot limit variant. Well, that's all for episode 30, Bad Maha. You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R, all the games. Martin, where can our listeners follow you? I'm also on Twitter. My handle is at Poker for Leisure, or P-O-K-E-R, the number four, L-E-I-S-U-R-E. And I'm also blogging on Substack on, uh, again, pokerforleisure.substack.com. Um, in the US, you might pronounce this poker for leisure. Um, Walter, can listeners follow you on social media? Um, they can. I'm not active on Twitter, but they can always follow me on Instagram at twouter, so T-W-O-U-T-E-R, and then an underscore. Well, regularly uh, post uh, stacks and, and updates from poker tournaments and things like that. I would like to thank our special guest, Wouta. Join Martin and me again in two weeks for episode 31, when we will discuss a game known as 777. Thank you for listening to Poker, All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm-hmm.